Hi, I'm Martin Wells, founder of Wells Technology Services, and you're listening to the Homework Podcast. Once again, I've assembled a panel of industry experts ready to share with you their best practices for service innovation. Every week, we discuss a key topic that is relevant to businesses managing their workforces in the new world. This week, we brace ourselves for the big one. Where's my security gone? So let's get cracking and go and meet our panel right now, shall we? Hi. Thanks, Martin, and thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm Steve Latter, Account Director at Kira Systems. At Kira, we are world famous for helping lawyers to truly understand what is in their contracts and documents. What am I world famous for? Well, I don't know about world famous, but having spent nearly 15 years in legal tech working for vendors with blue logos, I have been known to wear some very on-brand blue suits. Akira, green is our brand's core colour, so I'm going to have to reconsider my wardrobe post-lockdown. Hi everyone, and thank you Martin for inviting me to join you today. I'm Claire Harrett, and I'm Head of Managed Services at Sapio Information Security. We're information security specialists, as our name might suggest, and we work with clients across their whole security ecosystem. So that includes helping with security policies and process, advising on the security technology stack firms are using, and addressing the often overlooked human aspect of security. So my particular passion is for staff security awareness training, equipping everyone in the firm with the knowledge and skills necessary to identify cyber threats, help people to recognise the ways in which cyber criminals will be trying to target them and to understand how to protect themselves and the firm from those threats. Hi, my name's Tim Hyman. I'm a certified data protection officer and information security consultant for 224 Consulting. I advise a number of insurance clients, some law firms and the Council of Europe in Strasbourg. Hi. I'm James Temple, Chief Operating Officer at Seddens. I'll focus on what my firm are famous for rather than me, or we'll be here all day. We recently represented Boris Johnson in his not-so-private family matter. Being based in the West End, we seem to get a lot of high-profile clients, and this is one that I'm actually allowed to mention. Well, James, that's uh, absolutely amazing. And I know that you asked Boris to join this week's panel. Um, apparently, he said he was quite busy with um, national matters. I'm not quite sure what that's all about. Anyway, thank you, panel, for those introductions. Let's get started, shall we? Tim, if we can go to you first. With so many members of our staff working from home, how can firms and vendors ensure that their staff remain in compliance with their policies on data protection, GDPR, and even health and safety? Well, what I'm saying is that this is a great time to remind staff of existing policies and send them links. Uh, if you can, get reconfirm the fact that people have acknowledged, read these policies. And if they don't exist, great time to create them and share them. In my view, the minimum that we should have as an organization and be sharing with staff are a data security policy, an acceptable use policy, which is usually HR focused, but should be uh, clear as to how and when it's okay to use the firm's equipment for you, both obviously for business reasons, but also for personal reasons, a remote working policy and a data retention policy. It's phenomenally scary, is it not, that three years after GDPR, we're still talking about policy creation. Okay, that's great. Thanks, Tim. James. 
It's interesting that when we were forced into lockdown, the focus was very much on getting the firm up and running remotely. Compliance with certain policies moved down the priority list as we really focused on survival. That's not to say people weren't aware of their responsibilities, but I think the focus changed very quickly. I even heard of one of our fianas saying, well, that's GDPR out the window. As time has evolved and remote working has become the new norm, I think that attitude has evolved. I know our staff recognise the importance of doing everything they can to stay within compliance. We're in a very fortunate position because of how we provide our IT services. We utilise a Citrix secure desktop environment. So users are effectively forced into data compliance. Access is provided via two-factor authentication. Um, And once logged in, all of our data remains within our environment and the usual policies and security systems that we have in place remain. The only potential leak from this secure world is the dreaded paper. However, one of the greatest benefits of lockdown is that we've been forced into an almost paperless world. Of course, we still print some stuff, but we've been very clear with our staff about how to manage this and have updated our policies to ensure any personal identifiable information is securely destroyed once it's been used and under no circumstances do we allow staff to store this type of information at home. We even ordered and had delivered to people's houses paper shredders uh, for those that didn't already have. And this ensures that things can be destroyed uh, in a secure manner. Health and safety is tricky. Uh, You've got far less control over people in their working environments when the entire firm's working remotely. However, our staff have been great and through regular communication, we've ensured people are supported where required and have adjusted people's home working spaces where necessary. For us, mental health has been a real concern in these times. Uh, Very early on, we identified some staff members that we deemed potentially at risk. We've worked really hard to communicate regularly with these people and provide updates uh, on those that we think are most vulnerable. Typically, it's younger members of staff that live by themselves or not with their parents, have moved out, uh, spending huge amounts of time at home alone. Um, So we're working very hard with those types of staff to ensure they're feel supported and looked after. Thank you, James. Sounds like you've got things pretty well sewn up there. Um, And what a great approach to take in terms of people's mental well-being as well. Congratulations. Um, Claire, what's your views from, you know, from Sapio's perspective as a information security specialist? Really good question, Martin. And I guess my response has a heavy security bias, although much of what I'm saying could be applied to health and safety too. Essentially, from a data security standpoint, a three-pronged approach is needed looking at policy, people and product. So firstly, do you have the right policies and process in place to support GDPR and the UK DPA for a distributed workforce? Do the policies that you had in place before lockdown still hold true for widespread work from home, for example? If not, then they obviously need to be urgently reviewed and redistributed. From the people perspective, what is your method for distributing these policies to your staff and how are you tracking that people have read and accepted them? How are you training people so that they're aware of their specific roles and responsibilities in relation to data protection? Are they data processors or data controllers, for example? How do the regulations pertain to their specific job function? Are you supporting them with the relevant training and are they sufficiently aware of the ways in which cyber criminals will try and gain unauthorised access to sensitive data? Uh, 
Then finally, from a product perspective, have you got the right technology controls in place to support compliance? Are you providing a virtual private network, for example, for people to access critical business systems and sensitive data? Are you employing multi-factor authentication for access to that data? Have you got robust encryption for your data at rest as well as in transit? Do your security tools need reconfigured in light of almost 100% remote access? The list literally goes on and on. So in answer to your original question, ensuring compliance is an incredibly difficult task at the moment. Thank you, Claire. I'm sure you share my sympathy with all of those people sitting in the hot seat worrying about all of these things on a daily basis. Steve, what's your perspective? Well, Martin, now that we're more than 60 days into lockdown, I think we can assume that everyone has got to grips with the initial challenges of simply getting their teams working from home. Laptops, broadband, bandwidth, VPN, childcare, etc. Uh, secondly, I think we have to assume that firms had already put robust policies in place to educate all staff on these policies uh, annually, at least. Now firms need to ensure that they have a simple and effective method for their staff to access and review these policies and perhaps more importantly to know where to go to get clarification and to get any of their questions answered. Thanks Steve, it kind of seems to me that you just can't rely on common sense anymore and that policy guidance really is the king moving forward in this regard. Okay let's move on to question number two then. There has been a sharp increase in phishing activity under the guise of COVID-19 support through SMS, email and even Zoom. How do we make sure our own staff stay alert and avoid falling foul of these elaborate traps? Claire, let's hear from you first. Yes, unfortunately, there's been a depressingly large surge in cybercriminal activity, essentially exploiting people's fears around coronavirus. We've seen fake coronavirus spread maps, for example, that have a malicious payload when people click on them, fake World Health Organization emails containing phishing links, fake charity websites harvesting people's payment card details, and also fake HR and IT emails being sent designed to harvest people's network login credentials. So whilst there may be technology controls in place to prevent people potentially reaching malicious websites or blocking phishing emails from coming through, the truth of the situation is that the technology isn't fail safe. So the best way to mitigate the risk is to educate people on what to look out for, how to report suspicious emails that they receive, or indeed what to do if they've clicked on something that they shouldn't have. If the firm's been providing regular security awareness training up till now, then your staff are probably in fairly good shape to be able to recognise these types of scams. But regardless of whether you have or haven't got a formal training programme in place, now is definitely the time to focus on this. Whether you're sending out regular advisory emails, you're sending out electronic training modules, or whether you're conducting simulated phishing tests, for example, whatever your approach, the key takeaway is that you need to be doing something. Um, my advice would be to keep it short and sweet, make it personally relatable, make sure that everybody understands the risks not only to the firm but to themselves personally, and most of all retains, retain a sense of humour. Excellent. We like a bit of humour here on the Homework Podcast. Thank you, Claire. Clarity of processes and the, the spread of awareness seems to be so important, I think, uh, as part of this. Steve, what's your views? Well, Martin, I think the short answer is training early and often. For example, on my first day uh, with Kira, I had IT and security training, uh, during which I was shown various examples of phishing emails, most of which purported to be coming from our CEO, Noah. 
the team showed me what to look for in these emails that I could then use this information in future to know which emails weren't from NOAA. Phishing emails and other styles of attack should be reported company-wide and discussed openly and often. At Kira, our security experts frequently raise awareness at our weekly company-wide meetings, for example. It's important that everyone in the firm understands that the ever-evolving nature and style of these attacks will continue, as I say, to evolve. It's also imperative that everyone retains a skeptical mindset and is empowered to challenge, even when the seemingly legitimate request comes from a senior partner. So it seems the spirit of self-awareness is alive and kicking within uh, Kira then. That's good news. Thank you very much for that, Steve. Um, Same question to you, Tim. Well, I guess the obvious answer here is training. And again, this is a great time to reinforce training initiatives. E-learning is great, particularly when working from home. And we need to focus this training on these areas. A lot of the information security training is quite generic, and that's great. But we do and should focus on current issues and challenges. And yes, COVID-19 support or fake COVID-19 support attempts are out there, but so are fake emails from HMRC. And the other area that is catching quite a number of organizations out is the fact that while people are working from home, um, they're susceptible to telephone calls. And what we're seeing is people pretending to be the IT department, particularly in large organizations where you may not know the individuals, and asking for usernames and passwords to carry out an essential upgrade or something like that. And obviously, this can be extremely harmful. So most organizations are saying, uh, making statements at least, that this will never happen because our IT department will never ask for usernames and passwords over the phone. Any other areas like this, we should be um, making sure that we let people know what to do and how to avoid these um, challenges. One way to do this is to issue weekly information bulletins. We mustn't um, send out too much information in one go or it won't be read. It certainly won't be digested. So keep these bulletins very short, focused on one area and preferably have some form of action at the end of the bulletin, which might relate to uh, a checklist, for example, where someone working from home can tick things off as they go, such as uh, one one can be around securing your home Wi-Fi and encourage that people do secure it, don't share the password, and then tick the checklist to say that they've checked they do have a password and that it hasn't been shared. Thanks, Tim. I think the uh, the message we're hearing then from, from both of our data security specialists, Claire and, and Tim there, is education, education, education. We can't get enough education, but make sure it's simple enough for people to understand. OK, how about Seddon's, James? We've done a huge amount of work over the last few years around security, phishing and social engineering. All of our staff are regularly trained and must stay compliant with our LTC4 security standards. Through our learning management system, we regularly communicate with our staff and are constantly making people aware of evolving scams that look to trap people into exploiting the pandemic situation. We constantly issue new courses online 
and ensure that these are completed by all staff across the firm. Additionally, we regularly issue examples of scams we come across to ensure staff are aware and stay alert of any potential traps. We make it clear they should notify our IT team of anything they come across that looks remotely suspicious. Thanks for that, James. Sounds like your IT team are pretty busy at the moment. Okay, let's move on to question three. What are your top three tips for home workers to stay compliant when processing personally identifiable information at home? James, as you're in the chair, do you want to carry on? Number one would be only to use company-approved systems and devices when dealing with firm-related matters. This ensures data cannot leave our environment without passing through our systems, checks and staying compliant with our firm policies. Number two would be to minimise printing and only print what is absolutely necessary. For us, this is potentially the biggest risk, so we need to minimise it where we can. Number three, if in doubt, ask. This is our most consistent message. We don't want staff to feel nervous or silly about coming forward with potential issues, risks or traps they come across. We're here to help and we want people to avoid mistakes. So if in doubt, just ask. Nice one. Thank you, James. Printing at home is the new enemy, isn't it? And if in doubt, ask. I really like that. That's so simple to understand. Steve, what are your top three tips? Well, for tip one, Martin, I think I would have to say, and this might not be popular, uh, business as usual, where data protection is concerned. But I accept, you know, if at all possible. Whilst the Information Commissioner's Office has issued guidance on compliance with UK data protection law in the context of COVID-19, it's acknowledged that organisations may find it difficult to adhere to usual data protection compliance standards as resources are diverted away from data protection to other critical areas. I think that for law firms, it is really imperative that they maintain the high standards that people would expect of them and don't see this as uh, an excuse to let standards slip. For tip two, I like to consider one of my father-in-law's favourite sayings, measure twice, cut once. He was an engineer by profession and pre-lockdown could often be found teaching the grandchildren woodwork skills. Sorry, I digress. Uh, I guess we're all missing our families at the moment. So. How does measure twice, cut once relate to compliance and GDPR? Well, my online version of that saying is think twice, click once. Or not at all. Or if you prefer a more intellectual version, then take a look at Daniel Kahneman's System 2, Thinking Slow, from his 2011 book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Do you have to process this personally identifiable information? What are the company policies and can you follow them in your current at-home environment? Is there someone else in the firm better placed to process this task? Or can it wait for one of the skeleton staff, which I know most firms have retained, to be visiting the office? Tip three, uh, assuming you have to undertake some processing of PII at home, then quite simply, don't print anything. Use dual monitors if you can. And if you absolutely have to print or make notes on paper, 
shred the paper as soon as you finish the task. Don't just add it to the recycling pile, please. Once again, printing is the new enemy, right, Steve? Um, I liked your other point, really, about innocence being no excuse, uh, maintaining those high standards that so many firms have worked so hard, you know, to, to provide for all of their staff. OK, let's move on. Claire. One, secure the home network. Two, ensure device hygiene. And three, use a VPN and 2FA. So in terms of securing your home network, check that you're not still using the default administrator password on your router, and if you are, change it. If you're not sure how, then contact your internet service provider. Make sure your new password is strong. A long passphrase works really well, so something like the dog likes to wag its tail, for example. Also make sure your Wi-Fi is encrypted using WPA2. Again, if you're not sure, contact your internet service provider, but essentially if people are required to enter a password to join your Wi-Fi, then you're likely to be using WPA2. In terms of device hygiene, implement all software and application updates as soon as they become available and only download apps from trusted sources. And if you're using your own devices, make sure that they've got robust anti-malware or antivirus software installed. And finally, use a VPN to access your corporate data and systems and utilise 2FA or MFA wherever possible. Thank you, Claire. Some sage words there. My dogs love to wag their tails. Tim, over to you to wrap up this week's episode. Um, I guess the three areas that I would encourage people to focus on are collaboration tools, physical copies of uh, data, and, of course, email. Collaboration tools because... A lot of these tools are new to a lot of individuals, particularly those who haven't worked from home before. And where you need to be considerate are two areas, really. Yes, you could be using Zoom or Teams or Citrix WebEx for the first time. But really, in terms of personal information, the area to look at is recording and the use of messaging within those tools. The majority of these platforms are US-based. And even if they're not US-based, it's likely that the data, if you use either record or messaging, will find its way to the US. That isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you're going to do that, at least make people aware that that's happening. And certainly make sure that your privacy notices cover this fact, particularly if you're working with clients. With physical copy, it's really about the fact that We're no longer in the office, so we don't have the facilities around us to deal with physical copy that we would have. And by that, I mean two core areas, really. One is storage of physical copy. Do we have the appropriate place to protect it? We need something lockable to keep either personal or even client confidential data in. And distraction. How are we destroying data? We don't have confidential waste bins at home. So what is the process for that? And organizations need to think this through. And then lastly, email, which is, um, of course, the usual challenge. It's not really different because we're uh, working from home, but it's still the most common source of data breach. Therefore, encourage staff to always check the recipient before they send the email. Where possible, if you've got a document management system that allows you to use links instead of attachments, you always use those. And always consider 
whether or not you should be protecting a document before you send it. Even a basic password, which isn't the highest security in the world, is better than no password if ever the email is sent to the wrong person. Thanks, Tim. Still far too many email oopses in the world right at the moment. And a really important message about data sovereignty there too when using social collaboration tools. Brilliant. Okay, I'm afraid once more time has defeated us and we've reached the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed our fantastic panel discussion and my thanks to all of the panellists this week. Remember to subscribe to the Homework Podcast through your favourite podcast provider to avoid the disappointment of missing an episode. If there's a subject matter you'd like to hear or a future panel to discuss, or if you'd like to sit on a future panel, do get in touch via my website, www.wellstechnologyservices.com. So to wrap up this week's episode then, my thanks to James Temple from Sedans, Tim Hyman from 224 Consulting, Claire Harrett from Sapio Solutions, and of course, Steve Latter from Kira Systems. Until next week, stay safe, stay well. See ya!